Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series World Series champion, Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in the first hour, is the best time to do so. In the second hour, we'll have our weekly conversation with Luke Johnson of theadvocateandnola.com about the Saints situation heading into New Year's weekend where, you know, I'm fully expecting them to get their hats handed to them in Philly like almost always seems to happen when the Saints go to Philly. So we'll... um We'll see what happens in all of that and look forward to to talking to Luke. It is um interesting game last night between LSU's and their win over Arkansas. You know, in it we have this idea that, you know, basketball today is you know bunch of high flying three point shooting and, and and this this game was was anything but I mean LSU shot for if I'd have told you going into the game LSU was going to shoot forty percent from the field make only four out of seventeen three pointers only shoot fifty percent at the free throw line miss half your shots at the free throw line. And get out rebound. Would they have won? I don't know that a lot of people would have thought that. They only had two double figure scores. Hannibal had 19 and 6 with two assists, and Fountain had 14 and 10 and two steals. Uh, and yet they just muddied it up and muddied it up and muddied it up, and it worked. You know, Arkansas only made 37% of their shots for the game. Also shot 50% at the free throw line and was four of 25 from three-point land. So, uh, again, I, I have no problem with, with, with um, defense. Most of the American sports media and, and, and fans, they don't really like defense. They talk like they like defense, but they, what they really want is 98-96 in basketball, and they want 40-something to 30-something in football, or it's boring for them. That's most fans are like that. But, no, this is a this was a gutsy win. And, you know, when you're playing a team that likes to be fancy and get out on the break and you want to muddy it up, and that's what they did. So, um, great, great win by, uh, by LSU to open conference p- play – uh, an SEC, and obviously they get you know they, the challenges are just starting. The Cajuns will open Sun Belt play men and women tonight again. The women at home against Georgia State. The wimp, the men on the road against Coastal Carolina. I think both games are at six o'clock in, in our time. So 
we'll see if if the um, if the Cajuns men and women can get off to the great start, similar to what LSU did last night. We will see. I I um, more quarterback news yesterday. It was you know pretty obvious. Well, I say obvious. It it, it the Raiders situation. Um, it's gotten a little better of late, but they had a loss where Carr threw three interceptions at Pittsburgh. But again, Pittsburgh is used to playing good defense. I, I don't know that that would be something to be alarmed about. But it's pretty obvious that Derek Carr and the new coach are not on the same plane. Now, is he still going to be the coach next year? You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, there's, you know, we, we brought up the Raiders as a possible place for Casper to quitter to go. And again, Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels were together for a long time. Tom Brady might go there without Casper. Um, you know, he, he would certainly have a high level of familiarity with what Josh McDaniels does on offense. He played for him forever. And so... It is um, – that's something else to consider. And Derek Carr enters the pool. So, I don't know. Is Derek Carr better than a lot – most of the other options? Probably so. I I think um, just a person who Derek Carr seems like a good guy, I think would fit in very well with the Saints. I have no idea if they're interested in him or he's interested in coming to New Orleans. I mean, I have no idea. There are people, there are teams who are in quarterback, who have quarterback questions all over the country that are, and their fan bases are asking this question. Okay, Derek Carr, where, where does he fit into the picture? Could he fit into the picture? I'm sure the Jets are talk fans are talking about it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of Saints fans that have brought that up or, uh, what a, you know, any other team that has question marks, the Arnolds, um, all these teams that have question marks at quarterback moving forward. The Yucks, for that matter, like if, if Brady leaves, they're going to need a quarterback. So there are teams with quarterback questions. Uh, you, know, you know, we'll see what the Giants do with Daniel Jones, although I don't think he's going anywhere especially if they make the playoffs. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, the Titans, they're going to need a quarterback. Uh, you, I, I, don't, I just don't think Malik Willis is going to be that guy. Maybe they'll give him a chance. I don't know. Uh, so there, there are teams all over the league that could upgrade by getting Derek Carr. Think about this. Derek Carr a year ago, or a little bit less than a year ago, was one completion – one completion away from beating the Bengals in Cincinnati in a playoff game. And a year later, he's getting benched and going to another team. And in the offseason, they signed, so say, one of his best friends, a college teammate away from the Packers to, you know, to get to the to play together. And, 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 and it was a disaster. Man, you just you just never know. I mean, you just you just never know. What's going to happen? I thought he was pretty good last season. And he's had other years where he was pretty good. I mean, that you want to talk about everything the Raiders 
overcame last season. It was unbelievable what they did to make the playoffs and really they could have, should have won, should have, would have won that game at Cincy. Um, it, it's, it's, and then this year just to fall flat on their face. And again, they've, they've showed some guts in that. Look, they look, when they came to the Superdome and the Saints just thrashed them. I mean, that was a thrashing. And they look dead in the water, but they've won some games since then. Again, they they lost an ugly game at Pittsburgh. I mean, how many teams have lost ugly games at Pittsburgh in the last 20 years? I mean, 30 years, 40 years. I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, the Steelers, we all, everybody talks about how terrible they are. They still got a shot. I think their coach just kind of wills them to win sometimes. But um, they know how to win ugly football games. Let's put it that way. Um, so I don't know. Derek Carr, uh, I don't know. I've always kind of liked him as a as a guy. Um, it's hard to know when you don't watch someone all the time. You know, I see him play a quarter here, a quarter there, or a half a quarter here or there. And, I, you know, I, I watch him when they play the Broncos, but that's about it. I mean, I, I don't I don't watch enough of Derek Carr other than looking at his stat line, but, you, you know, stat lines can only tell you so much. You, you To really know what a guy's like, you got to watch him like you watch your team play. You got to watch him like, you know, you got to see what he does in all these situations. When the team is up, when the team is down, when how much pressure he's under, you know, it, it's it, you can't. We we all have these opinions on quarterbacks based on what the national media is telling us, without watching the games or just seeing a game here and there or a quarter here and there. I mean, you don't really know, but he seems like a pretty good guy. I've seen him throw passes down the field. He's got a little mobility. I mean, he seems he seems to be a good leader or at least have leadership skills. Um, you know, he seems to be a good guy that most of his teammates tend to respect, although things are kind of went south this year for whatever reason. Um, I mean, he's playing for an evil team and an evil organization. So, you know, maybe he's just not comfortable around all that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I I think he's worth considering. If you're a team that needs a quarterback in this, or have questions at quarterback, and the Saints certainly fall in that category, he's somebody worth considering. Uh, I don't, I can't believe he would demand. I mean, all quarterbacks these days are demanding a lot of money, but I can't believe he would demand this mega mega kind of deal. Um, how much of an upgrade? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think he, I think his ceiling is considerably higher, considerably higher than Andy Dalton's ceiling, and um, he's a little younger anyway. I, um, you know, I'd certainly be willing to if I was the Saints consider it. So any any thoughts you have on, on that on that situation? You know, we we're going to be talking a lot about the quarterback carousel this year. 
this offseason like we did last year. I don't think it's going to be quite as crazy as it was last year, you know, with all this Deshaun Watson and all of that. But, you know, the Jordan, I don't think, I can't believe Jordan Love is going to stay in Green Bay forever. Does someone consider him an option? Like, you know, people already have Tom Brady going to the Cheaters, and the Cheaters already have like three quarterbacks options. Where's Jimmy G going to go? Is Brock Purdy won a job on some team? By how, what if Brock Purdy goes to the Super Bowl? What are they going to do with that guy? What are they going to do with the guy they gave up all these first-round draft picks for? You know, we don't have any idea if that guy's any good. He's played hardly any football. I wouldn't want him. I mean, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do with all these? I, I don't. They got like four. If, if Tom Brady, if you lump Tom Brady with the cheaters, like some people are are, are kind of are suggesting, I mean that's four quarterbacks in that little scenario there. Like um, somebody's got to else is going to have to go somewhere, and so it's um, and you know. What what is Washington doing? I like I guess <laughs> I don't know. The the quarterback scenarios um could be very interesting. And then you're gonna have what three or four picked in the first round this coming in the draft. That when you add that compared to you know, and then last year from last year's you know, how much does Stafford have left? There, there are so many quarterback issues, and so many teams have quarterback questions. It's not going to be like last year was the craziest quarterback offseason in a long time. More so with the rumors. There were obviously Aaron Rodgers stayed, and I still think Aaron Rodgers is staying. You know, some people are have him leaving. It's always possible, but I don't think he's going to leave Green Bay. Um, especially since they've played pretty well and. These by next year, these two rookie receivers might be pretty good. I mean, they might be pretty good, and so they might be able to to kind of get back to where they were. I don't think they'll beat Minnesota, but again, Minnesota's a strange team. We talked about that yesterday. Like Minnesota's got enough offense to beat you, to beat anybody, but they have enough. I don't know what you call it to where. Their defense, you know, they can lose to anybody, too. And they've come pretty close to losing to anybody. But they they just seem to be having one of those seasons where they win a bunch of one-run games. That normally catches up with you. But um, that's kind of how, you know, what, what they've done. They've been kind of like the Cajuns were the two previous years where they just win every close game. And you normally have to – There's a, the Piper normally gets you on the other side of that deal. So we'll see how Minnesota does moving forward. But they um, – no, it, it's – it's. I don't know. The Derek Carr situation is very interesting. I would not be surprised at all if that's where Brady ends up because that's where he was going to go originally. Now, we don't know that for sure, but he's he has been pretty, you know, he, he has kind of thrown that out there, how there was a team that he was going to, and they ended up sticking with the other guy, and I'm pretty sure that was Derek Carr and the Raiders. At least a lot of people believe so. And now his former offensive coordinator is the head coach there. So I, I think there's a pretty good chance he's going to play for the Raiders next year. 
um, either with Casper or with his former offensive coordinator. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's another option. You know, we've talked about how to what options do the Saints have. Well, they have another option now, potentially. We'll see how all that plays out. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, and discuss more issues that are going on in sports. There's one in particular that is that that has never made sense to me. Going back to when I was a kid in the 70s and even into the 80s, and now it, you're starting to hear that, and it's never made any sense to me. And we'll talk about that when we come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on... The game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. We um, want to remind you about the Hangout Music Fest, Gulf Shores, Alabama, May the 19th through the 21st, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lil Nas X, and more. If you would like to win VIP passes, which would give you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage-sized pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. As we said, the Hangout Music Fest is a beach vacation like no other. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. All right. Um, obviously, a lot of people are discussing it around here because of the news that broke yesterday that Keishon Boutte is – is now going to be going to towards the the NFL draft, and he's not going to play in the bowl game, and his career at LSU is over. And and you know we, we you know it was change of mind. You know last year Kyron Lacy, when the season was over, was on social media talking about how good everything was and how he was staying, and then and then next thing you knew he was going to LSU. I mean. You know, you just you just never know. I've heard things like so and so staying and then they leave. So you just things change. People talk you into you know things. You 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 seem to get an opportunity that maybe you didn't know you had, and you change your mind. Whatever. But one of the things that that you hear here and there, and that I've heard for decades, that has never made any sense to me. I can remember way back in the 70s and 80s. People would say, well, I prefer college sports. In the pros, the players come and go too often. Really? Like, we're, we're right now in college sports, the players... have stayed more than they ever have in my lifetime. Like, especially really recently with the pandemic. I mean, 
In the pandemic, you have some players that have played five and six years. For most of my life, especially in the, you know, 70s, 80, and into the 90s, most college players, only you only really follow them for like two years. Like every once in a while, you get a really special player that will play for three or four years. But most players, especially in the 70s and 80s, they didn't play a whole lot as freshmen and sophomores, and they played a lot as junior. And, you know, they might have been backups as a sophomore and played and started for two years as a junior or senior, unless they were, like, really like Herschel Walker, Marcus Dupree kind of college, you know, these great, great, great college athletes. But normally you'd get two, maybe three years out of 90% of the players. If you, and then and then they would go to the pros and they would stay four or five or six years. And if they left to go to another team, oh, they always leave. <laughs> By the nature of the beast, college players can only stay so long. So I don't understand. It, 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 it's I heard Chris Blair tell Raymond this last hour, and it made made sense. Like in college, you can't worry about that. It's about the brand or the university or the logo or whatever. Like. College players have always come and gone, and they're staying now more than they ever have because, they, you know, there, there are more – you get more years out of the majority of them than you ever did is my point. College players have never stood around because they only have – most of them, we only get two years out of them as fans. That's why I learned I, – I, 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 I made that adjustment decades ago. I, I stopped you, – you, you can't be a player guy. I just I, I haven't been a player guy since I was a kid. You you just you can't I, I learned you can't do that. And and most pro players stay with their teams. You get more out of majority of pro most of them stay at least four or five years. Most college players it's two or three years, if that now. I, I don't it, – it's been a misconception that the majority of the American sports public has missed on to me for, like, my whole life. They just don't get that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Yeah, I, I just want to add a little more to that. I hate when a sports fan come up to me, oh, you know, I like the college game because, you know, they have more heart. <laughs> they they care more than the pros. So, right. like, you know, we – I know the real reason. The real reason is because they're making millions, or or, mo- or most of them making millions. You know, in college, well, with the exception of what's going on now, but in the past, you know, right, they were they were basically playing for free in a sense. You know, and they loved that. You know, what I'm saying they loved that. So, so you know, they'll come up with just like you said, that, and that's a good point. I'm laughing when you said it. Oh, they they, they play they change teams for me. I mean, players come and go. Really. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Players always. This is a college. You know, I just think it's funny, man. You know what I'm saying? When you got grown men, it's the same grown men who who feel that high school players are entitled, right? Oh, oh, oh now high school players think they this and that. Okay, well, why are you calling up here talking about some five-star recruits? Well, what we bring in? This guy went here and here. Like, geez, dog. Like, you know, I, 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 love, yeah. I love watching football, but it's not that deep to me. Well, I'm just sitting here worrying about some 17-year-old, 16-year-old. And then go turn around and say, "Oh, why they feel so entitled?" Well, if I got somebody watching me like this when I'm 16, 17, yes, I'm gonna feel a certain way too. 
Yeah. I don't care what I don't care what they say, what they feel. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's what it's about, man. And now, that, and why you think that now that's all you hear? And they complaining about the NIL. Oh, you know they shouldn't get paid all this money, this and that. They never talk about that gymnast that, that's at LSU. She's making she's making nice money from the NIL. Well, she is you know that. Saying? Yes. Like I yes. Say, man, it's all it's all it's all smoke screen for something else. You know what I'm saying? So they hide, they like to hide behind just trash. You know. So that's all I have to add to it. I, I feel where you're coming from. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just I I think the American sports public has missed the boat on that for 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 for, for my whole life basically. That that and that's why again that's part of why a big part of I I figured that out alone. I'm like you can't be a player guy or you just make yourself miserable. Like, I don't even worry about all that stuff. I worry about my team. And, yeah, there's certain players on your team that you like more than others. That's fine. I mean, but to be a – if you're a player guy, you know, you're just asking for misery and frustration, and then you get all bitter and angry for what? I mean, I you, – you can't be a player guy, especially at the collegiate level. Now, I understand with the transfer portal going crazy like it is now, but again, for most of my life, like the LSU got out of Kayshawn Butte as many years or more than 90% of the college college football fans ever got out of their athletes for, for the first 30 years of my life. I mean, very few athletes did you get more than three years out of. Very few. I, I don't. I think there's a lot of misperceptions, conceptions out there about how all of that works. All right. Uh, did you see? I don't even remember what bowl it was. Oh, the Liberty Bowl. I love the end zones. I've always thought the end zones in the Liberty Bowl were cool. They had the I don't know the way they do it with the sh- the flag and then they put the name at the top. But anyway, uh, I got a chance to see the end. That was bizarre. Now, it was it was Kansas and Arkansas. Arkansas was up by just about or just under three touchdowns, essentially three touchdowns. Um, Kansas roared back, forced overtime. At the end of the first overtime, they're going for they scored a touchdown. I think they scored a touchdown. They were going for two. And the quarterback got stopped at about the one-yard line on the two-point conversion. And they called targeting. So the, that's it. If they, if they allow the targeting, then the game continues. If they don't, then the game's over and Arkansas won. And Arkansas ended up winning anyway. But I don't know that I'd ever seen where, you know, targeting's a very controversial Kind of like roughing the quarterback is, and and and, and you know uh, hitting the defenseless receiver and all that is at the NFL. It's you know all in that same category. But I it, it kind of reminded me of the old thing: Do you make the call with one second to go in basketball, and do you use the same rationale whether it's a foul or not? Did you do with five minutes to go in the first quarter? So. I had never seen a targeting where it was the last, the do-or-die play at the very end of a game. To me, that puts extra pressure on this replay situation. And they took forever. And I don't blame them. I mean, the, the game, this is the game. 
Like, you got to make sure you get it right. And whatever right is, with quotes around right, but they ended up uh, just saying yes. It was, it was targeting. And Arkansas ended up winning the game anyway. But it was... Um, Wow, and and on the and at the very end of the game, they run a little trick play for the two point conversion, and the kid throws it out of bounds. Who cares if you throw an interception? I mean, that's, I mean, that's just a heat of the moment mistake that a player makes. But as a fan, you're watching and saying, "Cat, it's a two point conversion. This is the game. If you incomplete it, the game's over. Don't throw it out of bounds." Anyway, it was. Um, you know, if you just liked watching a football game, it was a lot of action. It was close. It had just about everything, like as they, as you say, that a that a that a game can have. So I don't I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but that was a little bizarre. I don't know that I'd ever seen it where it came down to a targeting call to end the game or or not end the game. All right, we'll do this. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Get a little bit. Uh, I want to discuss tonight's matchup. It looks like a blah game, but I think it's an interesting case study game. We'll talk about that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros want to remind you, Trail is presenting Lundy Graw Barathon on Monday, February the 20th. It's a four-mile run through Freetown, just south of the parade route. You can wear costumes, enjoy free drinks throughout the course. There will be a party bus that follows, which gives you options. You could run all of the four miles or walk it. You can run some of it and just hop on the party bus when you get tired, or you can run none of it and just spend the whole time on the party bus. Up to you. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so you might want to uh, bring your craziest, loudest, craziest friends around if you would like to win that. It's the Lundy Graw Barathon. Register now at latrail.org. All right. The game, look, if you're not a Cowboy fan or a Titan fan, it may not look like the the most interesting game around. I, I get that. But there's some interesting factors to this game tonight. One is the home team has lost five games in a row. This is a team that's not used to losing five games in a row. Um... I was kind of like they were my Super Bowl pick a year ago. And they should have beat the Bengals and they and they couldn't get one yard. They had two plays to get one yard to essentially win the game and they couldn't do it and so they lost in the playoffs as the number 1 seed. I did not pick them to go I I did not pick them to go to the playoffs this year. I was I don't trust them. And they got off to a good start and I'm like, man, I underrated them. And then they now they've kind of they're kind of fading. 
But every once in a while, a team that's due to win plays really well at home. See Rams <laughs> Sunday. Uh, sometimes you just play well at home, like like that the Saints Raider game. Every once in a while, a home team just you're you're due to win. You've been struggling, and you're at home, and you just play well. Uh, we've seen that many many times over the years. So I wonder if that's going to happen. The other factor in that game is the Cowboys just came off a huge win over the Eagles. Now, I know from the Eagles' standpoint, it may not have been as big a game, but for the Cowboys, that game was very important. That was a personal game. There was all kind of jabbering back and forth for weeks about that going into that game. And so that was a big emotional win for the Cowboys. So now they're going on a road in a game that everybody thinks they're going to win. They don't always handle that situation well. And so I I kind of um you know that's a factor in, in in trying to handicap this game. But the other thing that's interesting is in effect this game doesn't really mean anything to, to the Titans. All that really matters is that they win next week. They play Jacksonville. And the reason why that is um, is because Jacksonville beat them the first time. So even if they lose to Dallas and Jacksonville beats the Texans, which most people think they will, if they beat, if they win next week, then they'll have the same record. They will have split the season series, and the Titans have a better divi- would have a better division record if that happens than Jacksonville will. So, in effect, what they do tonight doesn't matter. It only matters what they do against Jacksonville next week. So that's a strange scenario to be in. It's like you're tied for first. I've got two games left. And I just need to um, – I have to win next week in this game. So so you wonder, even though you know they want to win a game because they've lost five in a row. Like, you, you, gotta, you need something good to happen here. Slippery slope. And so there, it, I'm, I'm just saying as a, as a game to handicap, there are a lot of fascinating – you have a team coming off a huge win. A lot of times you have a letdown, especially when you go on the road after a huge win at home against your big division rival. Um, and then you have another team that's lost five in a row, so they're kind of due to win, and they're at home, and yet the game doesn't really matter to them. Next week's game matters to them. So do you just, I assume, like, you maybe you rest players that are a little iffy because it's all about next week. I, I don't know, but you've lost five in a row. I mean, you got to get something going. You you know, you got to have some confidence, I would think. You, if you get your face crushed again because you sit a bunch of players and you lost six in a row, I mean, you're professional, so theoretically you can come out of it and still play well the next week, but man. So, and the you know I think the Cowboys get hurt more by the a really good passing offense which Tennessee does not have, but uh, they do have some injuries with Pollard and and and, and you know 
Now, the other interesting aspect of this is that I haven't really examined it thoroughly, but it's got to help the Saints tonight if the Titans win. I would think. Helps the Saints with the Eagles situation. Um, so if I'm a Saints fan, I, um, I'm i pulling for the Titans to win tonight. That might increase the Saints' chances of winning from like... Um, I I I think um, that would increase the Saints' chances from like five to ten percent or something. So it will um, just an interesting game. At first glance, not very interesting. Ugh, the Titans—they look terrible. They're an awful team. They can't even throw the football. The t- Cowboys are going to kill them, and they might. But again, when you look at the different factors for each team, it's kind of an interesting game. So I don't know how much I'll watch about it tonight, but I'll be interested to see how these two teams respond. And um, and and as a coach and as a as a team, you know, everybody wants to play well when they're on Nash, you know, the game, one game when, in prime time. But it's um. Mm, kind of kind of an interesting game. We'll see how, how that plays out. Again, next hour, we'll be talking with Luke Johnson, analyzing the Saints situation a little more in that in that matchup. So we'll, we'll um, you know, we've been laughing, kind of joking, because I've been saying all season that they have no chance to win this game, and Luke has been disagreeing with me. And look, I hope Luke's right. Luke was right last week. He said... He said uh, Z28 could get it done in my in single-digit temperatures. I didn't think he could, and he did. So I hope Luke's right again. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Howdy. Sidebar, whether the Cowboys win or not, Philadelphia has a major vested interest in beating the Saints because of the draft trade. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I don't. I don't. I, I think that's more of a front office thing than a. Pl- I don't think players worry about that too much. I, well, but I'm, I think I'm that's just, a front office I'm, thing. Two weeks ago, they were looking at having a top five pick. Now it's probably somewhere between five and ten. And if the Saints could somehow manage to beat Philly, and then the Saints beat Carolina, yeah. But I'm, I'm saying I don't think players were. I don't think players worry. I don't think that. Mo- I don't think the draft motivates players. Yeah, but the coach is part of the draft process. And, I mean, it could be something as simple as them playing Hurts as opposed to playing Minshew. So, uh, again, it's, I'm just saying they've got a vested interest in beating the Saints. They help their own cause in beating the Saints. Even though you could say they could lose to the Saints and still win the following week and win the division. In their minds, from a coaching and GM standpoint, they're better off flip-flopping that. They're better off winning this week and securing the division and then taking the following week off. I'm, I'm just saying it's a sidebar thing that that you got to consider. But, but, but and, I, and I haven't heard this. If the Cowboys lose tonight, do they clinch the number one seed? Um, I'm not sure if they clinch the number one seed because Minnesota's only a game behind them. Well, that's true. That's true. So, 
So you got Minnesota, but as far as clinching the division, I believe if the Cowboys lose tonight, they do. But I might be wrong on that. But the one seed's still very much in play because, again, Minnesota's only a game back. So, And it's kind of weird. We've gone from this hellacious weather weekend to now, I mean, it's supposed to be 45 in Green Bay for the game Sunday, you know. You've gone from minus 9 degrees to 45 and, and no rain or snow or so it's kind of weird to be this late into December and have these mild games that are. Uh, so it may not be that bad in Philly on Sunday. You're saying? No. Again, it's. I'm trying to think if I'd look theirs up. Their weather wasn't that bad either. That um, might actually was, hurt the Saints. Um, you know, and and the, I was more impressed with the Cleveland win than probably any game they've played all season because they had every reason to just tank. And I thought their effort was great. There were a few mistakes, but I, uh, I questioned again. I'll question some of the coaching, which is one of the reasons I'm calling is to to try and figure out if anybody has an answer on what happened to Carmichael. I mean, was Sean Payton's presence that important to Carmichael's play calling? I mean, Carmichael's been calling the plays for two or three years now. And and this year he just seems to have. Well, you've got a conservative like head coach yesterday. You got a conservative defensive-minded head coach as opposed to Casper, who was not a defensive-minded head coach. I think that plays well, a right. little bit to it here and there in play calling, but um, again and again, they're probably throwing Batman more than Casper ever did. I, some of this complaining I've been doing about how to use Batman is not a new thing. Casper did an awful job of using him. I thought when he was when he was playing Batman. Now, now if if Castle was a coach, Batman would probably be the starting quarterback. That's the difference. But when he played this Batman role, I don't think he threw him enough either. I don't think he ran him enough either. I don't think he caught him enough either. Well, let's again. I just we don't we run screens, but we run them to a new running back instead of come on. Uh, the, the, his lack of usage in screens, and people are saying yes. it's because. He's not doing that good of a job in, you know, blitz pickups and, and, and protecting the quarterback. Well, if you're running the screen, you don't have to be doing that. That used to be the strength of Kamar. When yes. Drew was here, he was deadly. And, and and we run screens, and it's to other running backs now. I mean, they were running screens with Ingram instead of Kamar. Yes, I don't I get just, it. I've, yeah. I've, I've and had they hardly a hard time putting the Carmichael puzzle together. And I frankly think he's going to be gone next year. I think he'll be the fall guy. Uh, I do think unless Sean Payton somehow comes back, I do think they'll bring Allen back for another year. If nothing else, the effort they did in Cleveland was, I mean, that was a nasty game playing on a basically a cement field. And the Saints just showed up and balled. It's, uh, I was impressed. So we'll see. The Eagles, I'm looking at their weather now, 52 degrees, nine-mile-an-hour winds. Not a big deal. We pro- Saints would probably be better off if it was more like Cleveland. But anyway, I got to get to a timeout. Thank you, Joey. Happy New Piece Year. Cake, brother. Happy New Year. Okay, man. you too. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Uh, yeah, uh, 
just to make sure um, we were clear, the Vikings are only one game back. So, yeah, they can't clinch the number one seed, but they would clinch the division the Eagles would. Uh, but that still wouldn't help the Saints any. I'm, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, I want to remind you, if you uh, use your Amazon Alexa or Google Home Speaker to help you make life easier with thermostats and temperatures and all that kind of stuff, lights, also, you can do it with your radio. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home, office, wherever you go. No, it's kind of ironic that the Saints are playing at Philly, and I really think that the Saints would have a better chance of winning if the weather was worse. Like, I think somehow the weather being worse would would help to limit how explosive the Eagles' offense can be. Um, and for what, you know, what would could maybe help the Saints' defense, but that's not going to be the case. It's not going to be anywhere near like it was in Cleveland, which, you know, the Saints have actually played pretty well in cold weather sites in recent years. And this is a cold weather site, but it's not really going to be that cold. And the weather's really not going to impact it as much. So, ugh, good luck. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3. 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. For those of you who are off today, there are three college bowl games, if you haven't uh, checked the schedule. One is the Pinstripe Bowl at 1 o'clock. Played at Yankee Stadium. And you say, well, I in the world would I? Well, Syracuse is playing Minnesota. The Gophers. Um, keep in mind, the Cajuns will play at Minnesota next season in September. And so, obviously, we were just talking about an hour, about 45 minutes ago, about how college rosters don't always stay the same, and we get that. But if you're a Cajun football fan, you get a little bit of a sneak preview, perhaps, that you may not pay much attention to the golfers. I mean, even if you're a college fan, you know, Minnesota's – not talk to it's not like Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. I mean, you don't get a whole lot sometime out of um out of the out of Minnesota. So you might get a little sneak peek of what the Cajuns are in for when they play the Gophers uh in September. So that's at one o'clock at four thirty, Oklahoma, Florida State. That's a pretty good game. I would think that is one of the better matchups of the non-big bowls, the Cheez-It Bowl at, at 4.30. So, uh, and obviously the Cajuns played Florida State this year. LSU played Florida State this year. So Cajun and Tiger fans have a little bit of familiarity, certainly with Florida State. And everyone 
who follows college football at all knows a lot about Oklahoma. So uh, I would think besides the major bowls and the two semifinal games, I would think that's about as good a bowl matchup as there is, Florida State and Oklahoma. And Florida State was really good down the stretch. And so I kind of think they'll win the game, but we'll see. The Alamo Bowl, that was the game the – that was the game LSU was in last year, and that was kind of iffy. But uh, 8 8 p.m. start, Texas and Washington. Hmm. Another pretty decent matchup. I wouldn't say it's as good as – Oklahoma, Florida State. So for a non-New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, national championship, semifinal kind of thing, um, I think this is a, one of the better days of bowl matchups, Oklahoma, Florida State, and Texas versus Washington. So uh, not, not a bad matchup. If you want to do some local sports, as we talked about yesterday, there's high school basketball tournaments all over the Acadiana area, and um, the premier events for a long time has been the St. Thomas More Sunkiss Shootout. We only have one local team of the remaining four in the winner's bracket. Uh, a Sitchin Episcopal had a nice win over Westgate yesterday. They will play at 2 o'clock today at St. Thomas More against Hamilton Christian. LCA won yesterday, and they will play Ellender at 12.30 today. At 3.15, Southside will play Turley, so that's two local teams playing against one another in the semifinals of what you would call the fifth-place bracket. Um, St. Thomas Moore is playing Iowa at 6 o'clock in one winner's bracket semifinal, and Bishop Ireton, who has Dwayne Bryant as a head coach. Uh, Danny talked about that when he came on last week. will play against Newman. At um, at four thirty, so that's the other winners bracket semifinal: Bishop Ireton and Newman at four thirty, and St. Thomas More against Iowa. The finals are set for tomorrow at seven fifteen. The third place game would be at six, and in the Daryl Mitchell Holiday Classic, on the winners bracket side, it's six o'clock tonight. Peabody against New Iberia, and New Iberia is a defensive oriented team. They They've only lost one game this season. They're off to a fabulous start. We'll see what they could do. They uh, beat Abbeville yesterday. I believe the final score was 49-29, to 29, just to show you the kind of defense that they, that they play. And St. Martinville is playing Brobridge. Uh, well, wouldn't that be something if New Iberia played Brobridge, either in the third-place game or the, or, the, um, or the championship game? That would, that, that would be nice. But St. Martinville is playing Brobridge. And one winner's bracket semifinal, and that's scheduled for 7.30 tonight. And the 6 o'clock semifinal game tonight is, as I said, New Iberia versus Peabody. Um, oh, I, I'm, I'm corrected. I was thinking that New Iberia had lost a game, but they didn't. They, they, they are undefeated. They are, they are, they are 12-0. So, again, a very good um, – off to a very – Good start, and those are the premier games. There are games going on at North Million. There's a boys' round-robin tournament going on there. There's an uh, outstanding girls' round-robin tournament going on at Vermillion Catholic with games all day. There are games, there are tournaments uh, finishing up at Northwest 
today and also um, all kind of games being played in unison St. Edmund. So, so pretty much wherever you are, um, there's a high school basketball game that you can attend if you have time today. All right, let's go back. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, man, the, uh, the bowl games are starting to get a little bit better, man. Uh, started with the Liberty Bowl last night. I think it was almost a sellout. Uh, uh, Arkansas and, um, oh, crud. Kansas. Arkansas, Arkansas and Kansas. Kansas, yeah. Man, I took, I, I took Arkansas minus three. That's, that's, that's given, uh, Kansas three points. Man, I was up by three touchdowns. Yes. Kevin, in the fourth quarter, I was celebrating. They couldn't get an onside kick, and they fumble the ball going into score, the 10-yard line, and I lose the game. They win by two. That's, that's part of gambling, man, the ups and downs. But, Kevin, tonight, man, the, the, I think the Texas uh, the Texas and Washington game is a great game. Uh, Texas has to, to me, ha- Texas has to win this game. Uh, they, were, they, were, they came in with all accolades coming into this year. Uh, but they lose. That's five losses for them uh, going into next season. And Washington is going to be hyped up for this game. They're bringing back their quarterback. It's going to be fifth year, I think. Uh, and he's, he's coming back for next year. Um, so that's going to be a really, really, really good game. Uh, but Kevin, what do you think of the uh, Kayshawn Booty? What is your um, if everybody has a, a conspiracy theory on on why it is? I, I think it's completely because of the I think it's completely because of the quarterback uh, leaving, man. But I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. All right, thanks. Well, I mean, wasn't there a suspension involved? My, my understanding is there was a suspension involved. And so he reacted to that. I Again, I don't – like all of us were all pretty much speculating, but my understanding was there was a suspension involved, and, you know, and that was his reaction to the suspension. Um, but, um, but again, as, as I said about an hour ago, it is – it's not new. I mean, especially now, guys. First of all, guys, you know, do all of this social media stuff. So, how you feel? I mean, think of the recruiting process. Not a lot, but guys have flipped for years. I told this story, you know, from the very beginning of when recruiting started getting big. Thirty years ago, I remember a local kid. He committed to all five schools he visited. Committed to all of them, so in 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 their mind that was a um, you know changing their mind. Last year, Kyron Lacey came out on social media. He's staying, and then uh, th- two or three weeks later, he's going to LSU. So the idea that someone would change their mind in this era because new opportunities come up, or in this situation, like I believe what happened. Um, there was a suspension, and therefore that's a new development, and you react to it, and that's the, that was his response to it, uh, you know. And so, again, I you may, you don't have to like it, but I don't I don't think this is a new process. We've got to get used to this, in other words, like how you feel in, at the end of a regular season in late November, early December, and then how you feel at the end of December when the recruiting stuff starts happening. It's really not that different than a kid who flips because. You know, whatever reason, this team sold him a little more than this other team sold him, you know, when he made his commitment a month or two earlier. So I don't I don't think we need to get 
um, I mean, you don't have again, you don't have to like it, but the frustration part of it may not be there. By the way, I was told I said the wrong thing. I don't know how because I was looking right at it. But Bishop Ireton is playing Newman tonight at seven fifteen, and Barb and Karen Crow are playing at four thirty today. Someone alerted me that I, I, I said the wrong thing, so certainly want to get that straight. Bishop Ireton plays Newman at seven fifteen, the final game tonight on the schedule at the St. Thomas More Sun Kiss Shootout in a winner's bracket semifinal. St. Thomas More plays um, Iowa at 6 o'clock on Thursday. And um, Barr plays Karen Crow at 4.30 in the other fifth-place bracket semifinal game. And that's preceded by three by Southside against Turlings at 3.15 in the first fifth-place fifth bracket semifinal all right let's go back to the game hotline hello kevin good morning good morning listen man as a cowboys fan it's going to be so weird having to pull for the Saints. well i mean i know you 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 probably live here but i mean i don't think cowboy fans should be worried that worried about the saints but um well that game has a great bearing on our seating it's unlikely, but if Philly were to lose out and we win out, I, I, I don't, we, I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see any way the Saints can win the game. I mean, it's going to take, especially if they put the team. I mean, I was hoping they'd be healthier. They were playing four string guys out there last week. They were supposed to be healthier. Now I know that wasn't a healthy game. It was minus fifteen. I know, but man, that was. I mean, if they don't put, if they can't, I mean, I was thinking they were about to get healthier, and I'm watching four string guys out there, and one of them made the interception. So I, I would not well, even I, worry I about. I tell that. you this: the Saints have a good defense, and I, I still, you know, they haven't commented on if Jalen Hurts is going to play. I, to be honest, after what happened on Christmas Eve, I, you'd probably be better off playing a banged up Jalen Hurts than a Minshew kind of carved us up, but they had some stupid turnovers, which is why we won the game. But, um, you Supposedly know. Hurts is not playing. I, 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 I mean, I got, You don't think he's playing? No, I, at least I, I heard a report that he wasn't playing. I guess it's possible the report was not correct, but my, the report I heard was that he was not playing. And it depends. Like, that's day one ain't played in three months. Is he going to play? I mean, you, 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 I, I don't understand how they're getting and, and unhealthy. And their starting right tackle, who's all pro, Lane Johnson, is out for that game. So you should be able to get some pressure, you know. Haven't gotten any all year. I look the Saint. The Saints do not match up with the Eagles in Philly. They just, I mean, they the last two times they played them there, they just got blasted. I I, I understand. I understand yeah. where you're coming from. But if you're saying Jalen Hurts and their All Pro tackle is not playing, it's not the same Philly team. And so, I mean, it's not like they don't have a chance. They definitely have a chance. They just can't turn the ball over themselves because Philly has a good defense too. Yes. Yes. Well, look, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope the Saints. I hope the Saints win, but uh, believe me, I'll be pulling for them. But I, 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 I have no expectations for that. Well, hey, listen, and and that's good holiday cheer. I'm glad you're pulling for the Saints, so it'll help Dallas. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Again, I. I understand that there are a lot of Cowboy fans in the area, just like, and the Cowboys are a little different because they're kind of in the region. But, you know, I, I've told 
y'all my opinion on that. I think it's it's silly to hate a team where you live just because you live there. I mean, I mean, you got to expect that. I mean, it's just silliness. It's um, it does it just you know, it's not really seeing the big picture too much. Anyway, I um, it's time for a timeout, and we'll come back. Speaking of the Saints, talk more Saints football with Luke Johnson. On the other side of this timeout, when we're back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry, we're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season, also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. All right, we have with us our good friend Luke Johnson of theadvocateandnola.com. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Kev. Thanks for having me on. Well, um, take us, when we last spoke, we were worried about your travel plans that never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'm kind of thankful for that, right? I, I mean, I would have actually loved to have been there for that game. Um, you know, as cold and as miserable as it was, I would have there's there's nothing like covering a game in person. It's for you know, people who, who don't know, writing about a game from your couch sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. You don't yes. get uh, near near like the you know, the the sense of how things are going on the field. You're just kind of limited to what you can see on the broadcast. But um, that said, uh, I'm really glad I didn't get stuck in in Cleveland on Christmas Day. And considering we were flying Southwest, who knows how long I would have been there. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll chalk that one up as a win. It was interesting because I was freezing to death at the Independence Bowl in Shreveport on Friday, and Deuce was there doing the game and then trying to get – hoping that the game didn't go to overtime so he wouldn't have miss his flight to go to the Saints game the next day. I don't know how he pulled all that off. I don't know either, man. I, I <laughs> guess uh, it's a little bit easier to fly out of uh, out of Shreveport than it is to fly out of New Orleans in, when, in bad weather, I guess. I have no idea. I, I have no idea how he made it, but I'm glad he did. Anyway, the game, and by the way, you were correct. I said it earlier today. I, I did not think um, 41 could could shoulder the load and a running back as a running back. I mean, against against teams as, de- you know, about the same as them in, in the Superdome, he didn't run the ball. But I, he, I thought he played about as gutsy and, and well as he's played all season in that game. Yeah, I thought that was a really good game from him. And, you know, Cleveland was gearing up to stop him, right? And I think he still he still had a really nice game. You know, I, I think maybe only one or two plays he got taken down behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, for the vast majority of that game, he was, he was you know, moving the sticks. He was taking up nice games. I thought they did a really nice job bringing that wildcat package in a lot. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, that's essentially essentially what they do with Taysom Hill, but you're, you're giving Alvin Kamara the ball instead. And I thought, you know, pretty consistently they're ripping off eight, nine yards with that. Um, yeah, he had a really nice game. It's been really encouraging to see him kind of bounce back these last few weeks. 
I mean, the whole you know for most of the year when they're in the Wildcat, it's it's Batman behind center and Taysom standing in uh in forty one next to him. So this time is totally it was opposite. Like, do you think that works moving forward? I think so, and you know I think probably the more they put out there. Um, you know, the less chance it has of working. You know, as of as they've been currently doing it, and they've I think they've really only done it the last three games. They've been practicing this stuff all season, but really only unleashed it the last couple of games. But really, it's pretty much the same play every time they they go in there, right? And it's just Jason Hill going as basically a lead blocker and having Alvin Kamara doing like an inside power. Um, and yeah, I think the more and more teams see that, they're, the easier they'll be able to adjust it until the Saints do some other things out of that package. Um, but, look, I mean, if you've got Alvin Kamara and 10 blockers, I like your chances, you know, and they've been having some real nice success with that with that package. Now, do you think Carmichael got too fascinated or preoccupied or muddled, muddied up with the idea of the winds in our back so we have to throw the ball in the first quarter. I mean, Batman didn't run the ball today. They were down 10 to nothing, and I was about to lose my mind. So, like, is that what happened, you think? Or how do you even begin to explain that? I don't know. He's going to have to answer questions about that today um, because everybody, I mean, it wasn't just you. Everybody who was watching that game was like, what are they doing? This is the Taysom Hill game. <laughs> you know, I, he took two snaps at quarterback in the first half, and and one of them he motioned out to you know, go in that wildcat package with uh, with Alvin Kamara, and the other one he handed the ball off on a read option. And it's just like, uh, come on now, you got like a two hundred and twenty pound dude who runs a four four five, you know, in a game where you have to run the ball, like use them. And lo and behold, they started using them and they started having some success. So I, I don't know if it was because the wind was at their back or what. Um, but I'm glad they finally came to their senses because you know it would have been a would have been a pretty miserable post game if they would have just been having to be drilled about why they didn't do the obvious thing. Absolutely, and how ironic! You know, they picked up Sorensen was one of the first pickups way back in the free agent, and at the time we're all thinking, well, I mean, okay, but he better not be the solution, you know, to, for for Williams, and 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 you know, he doesn't, he really, you almost forget he was on the team a lot of the year, and then he makes, you know, arguably the biggest play of the whole season. Kevin, he played nine defensive snaps the entire season before that game. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, most of that was just like when he's on the field because somebody got hurt in the dime package, you know, and that's basically what he was in this game until, yeah, you know, I, I mean, Marcus May was out. Um, and then, you know, Marcus May's replacement, Justin Evans, gets hurt in the game, and all of a sudden you have to count on Daniel Sorensen out there. And it's not like it's not like Cleveland was just saying, like, okay, we're just going to run the ball all game, which I think we'll probably get into that, how stupid of an idea that was. Um, but, you know, they decide to throw the ball a bunch, so he's got to actually be uh, in position and playing well. And, you know, I think this is one of the things I think maybe Tyron Matthews said it about him, but um, – you know, kind of throughout his career, he's he's been a guy who's been kind of Johnny on the spot. Um, I don't know if you really want to count on him to you know to be a deep safety a lot of times. Um, you know, it's, there's a pretty substantial highlight reel of him just uh, kind of getting burnt on deep balls. But you know, he he has shown a knack for being around the ball, and when the ball finds him, he makes a play. He did that again this past week, and it was really nice. Not only that, but he caught the ball and he returned it almost 40 yards set the Saints up in great field position. So, oh, I remember uh, a pick six against Drew Brees in Kansas City quite, quite a way, you know, not that long yeah, ago. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a bad athlete. You yeah. know, the guy 
plays a lot on special teams. I don't think you can play on special teams unless you're a decent athlete. So, um, yeah, but it, it's it's nice where you can you can count on a guy as your fifth safety, a guy who's played a, like a ton of ball in his career. Um, so that was huge. That was huge. It was surprising that it was Daniel Sorensen of all people to come up with their what their third or fourth interception of the year. Um, but they'll take it gladly. So the irony of this is the Saints are now going to Philly, and I think I'm kind of thinking it would be better if the weather, no one wants minus 15 wind chill, but would be worse than than I'm hearing that it's going to be like in the 50s and 40s and 50s, and the weather's actually going to be pretty good for, you know, a New Year's Day in Philly. Yeah, you know, but I I think at this stage they're they're just like, you know, we just got to play in whatever we're playing in, you know. (laughs) I mean, I don't think the players are going to be too upset about not playing in in sub-zero temperatures again. Um, And, you know, if they're not having to be one-dimensional like they kind of were last week, I think it probably opens some things up for them. I mean, it opens things up for Philly, too, but um, I think that's pro- they're probably happy with the conditions as they are. So last week, Chris Olave playing wasn't a big deal. This week, it could be a big deal. Very big. Yeah, I mean, let's just be real about this. I think if you're going into this game, you're going to have to score some points to win, regardless of who Philly has a quarterback. You know, they just put up 34 points against a pretty good Dallas defense with Gardner Minshew back there. Um, so, yeah, I, you need Alave out there. I, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear that um, you know, this wide receiver draft they have right now is just it's it's nowhere even close to what Chris Alave is at this stage of the season. Um, you know, if Chris Alave was out there uh, this past game, you know, maybe things would have been a little different. Um, you know, Keith Kirkwood having a couple opportunities and failing to kind of come up with either of them. Um, you know, I don't think he's out there making those plays if, if Alave is in the game. Um, so, yeah, that's a huge one to watch. He practiced yesterday, which is good to see. He's limited, but he practiced. Um, so, I mean, they're going to need him. Philly has a really, really good secondary. You know, their, their defense kind of reminds me of the Saints defense from, from years past. Right, where they've got a really, really strong front. They get after you with their front four, and then they rely on really, really talented secondary players to, to kind of play that, that pump-and-run aggressive man coverage. Um, so that's the type of game where you really need somebody who can be a man coverage beater like Chris Olave. Um, Lattimore didn't play again. Uh, I guess, you know, if I, if I hadn't played in two months, I don't know that that would be the game I'd want to come back in either, even though that's like his home state. But um, – they they could really use him in this matchup, though. Yeah, yeah, this is a big one for if Lattimore is able to play. And, and you know, I, I mean, I thought he was going to play last week. Honestly, um, I really did. I, I thought that was going to be the week he came back. Which you know, it would have been surprising considering the conditions. It's a tough tough time to play your first game in two months. Um, but I, I thought last week was going to be the week. So, you know, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I I, I would think Lattimore would be available this week because he has been trending in the right direction. So um, considering Philly has two very, very good receivers on the outside, especially one like A.J. Brown, he's super physical. Um, I don't know if you remember a couple years back, they were playing in Tennessee uh, in A.J. Brown's rookie season, and, and he was having a great year um, as a rookie. I think Lattimore held the, like one catch, and it was on like a, like a kind of a trick play type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be – really hoping Lattimore comes back because, you know, they've got weapons and they've got you know, one that he specifically matches up well against because he's so physical uh, on the outside. 
so hopefully he will be. And if he is, you know, even if he's back out there, I don't know if he's going to be playing 100% of the snaps like he normally does because uh, conditioning is a, is a real thing. Um, you know, I remember earlier this year when they brought Paulson Adebo back, they were playing him 10 snaps, 20 snaps, and, and working his way up to where he could play a full game again. So the good news is that I think both Adebo and Alante Taylor have been playing tremendous football on the outside. Bradley Roby broke up a couple passes last week, had a, you know, a couple he probably should have picked off, but I think he's been playing well too. So we've got depth there, um, but it's different when you can add a, pro, a five-time pro bowler back to the lineup. So what's the deal with May? Um, well, of course, before I get to that, According to the way this season is going to go, though, however, Lattimore will probably get put on IR tomorrow. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, yeah, the I mean, way this whole season has been played out. I mean, possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're right when we think a guy's about to come back. Oh, like, he's actually, on, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's on uh, it, It's just unbelievable. But I mean, May is kind of a mystery. Like I, I kind of didn't think that. I thought he was going to play last week too, and, they, and they're going to need him if you know if they're going to have a chance to compete in this game as well. Yeah, I think so, and especially because I, I think he's finally been been showing signs of being the player we kind of thought they were signing, right? It, you know, he's he's still I think like 13 months removed from his his uh, torn Achilles last year, um, and you know maybe we were probably expecting a little bit too much from him too early uh, because I, I think there was some optimism from the Saints, but he you know he was just kind of an invisible man for a big portion of the early season. I think he's finally started to make his presence felt. Um, so, you know, if his shoulder's good to go, then, you know, we, I, I think he'd be huge for them. But, you know, he, he did not practice yesterday. And that's, you know, that, that one's really, really up in the air. Um, and, you know, I think you're just considering um, who they have behind them yet. I don't know if P.J. Williams is somebody they can count on right now. Justin Evans is hurt. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I think the Saints are hoping that it's not Daniel Sorensen again, even though he came up with a big play. You know, he's he's got some limitations. So hopefully Marcus May is good to go. So is so Evans is out. He's that he's that hurt. I and I am struggling to remember whether he was limited or out yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean it's that's just another one to to kind of keep an eye on, you know. And I think he's been better as a safety than he has been. Um, when they've asked him to cover like in the slot as like a nickel right. defender, um, but you know he's he's another guy who I think would you know if I were to guess right now he'll probably be questionable on tomorrow's injury report. All right, we'll take a timeout, shift gears a little bit. When we come back after this timeout with Luke Johnson of the AdvocateAndNola dot com, we'll be back on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foot and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. We're speaking with Luke Johnson, who did not have to survive a trip to frigid Cleveland and is now um, preparing for not so frigid 
Philadelphia, where I've been saying since the schedule came out that this was an L, and Luke keeps telling me not so fast, my friend. You're still feeling a little, a lot better than me, I guess. Well, a lot better than you isn't very hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, I mean, I, I still think they're going to lose this game. I just don't think it's like an automatic chalk it up. There's no chance. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Philly can be vulnerable. Right? They've only lost two games this year, but they, they haven't exactly been blowing the doors off of everybody lately. So, um, yeah, I think there's a chance. And, and just considering that um, you know, the Saints team is kind of starting to feel itself a little bit, it's one, three out of five, two straight, um, you know, it's kind of starting to, to find some, some, some good things offensively and defensively. Um, yeah, I think there's a chance. Um, not a very good chance, but I think there's a chance. The other guy that I think is going is if if they're going to compete in this game, a guy who can make tackles in space like Pete Werner is going to be critical. Any chance that he plays? Yeah, I think there's a chance Pete Werner plays. Um, much better chance this week than I would have given him last week. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think just considering the style of football Philly plays, um, with all the the misdirection and um, with the athletes they have on that side of the ball. Um, I think he gives you your best chance of winning it. Caden Ellis obviously has played great football. I think he had another really good game last week. Um, but this is this is definitely like a Pete Warner type of game. Uh, so they really, really need him in this one. So while people are just discussing this matchup, have you have you yet? Because I've never heard a real good theory. Like, what is it about the Eagles and what they do on offense? That that is so perplexing to the Saints defense. Man, I wish I could. I wish I could like give you an answer. <laughs> and I bet the Saints defensive coaching staff wishes it could too. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think they just play really sound football, right? And then they have the athletes to match that up. Um, so you know, it, it's it's basically like when when you're out there, you need to do the same thing, right? Like you need to, to not be fooled with your eyes when they're doing these, these read options. Um, and you need to stay disciplined in your, your rush lanes and all that stuff. I think we did a pretty good job with that last week against Deshaun Watson. He, he only, it, you know, he, he took off on like a couple design runs and he had you know a lot of opportunities when he was back there throwing the ball uh, to take off. You know, like his average time to throw last week was like three and a half seconds, which is crazy. But it's just that's their their strategy, right? They they don't want to get too far upfield and get too aggressive to rush a passer and open up lanes for him to take off somewhere else. I think it worked really well last week. I don't know if they're really figuring something out here. Um, you know, I, I think they did a pretty good job containing Kyler Murray earlier this year. I think they they did a decent enough job of Lamar Jackson. I know he still had probably like seventy yards rushing, but yeah, it's it's hard to keep that guy contained. Um, we'll see if they can get it going this week, if, especially if Jalen Hurts plays, which is kind of a question mark right now. But, but I thought, did uh, I not hear a report that he's not playing, or is that not established yet? Uh, he missed practice yesterday, but they've not officially ruled him out. Um, all right, so speaking of Gardner Minshew, there are he's one of many, many quarterbacks around the league, backups and starters alike. As we start to kind of look forward to this team needs a quarterback and this team needs a quarterback, and Derek's car, Derek Carr's name is now firmly in that pool of maybe he could be an option for a team. I mean, what what, what do you think of those two, Gardner Minshew or Derek Carr? Uh, 
Well, I think if I'm looking at this from the Saints' perspective, um, yeah, I think Derek Carr is probably. Yeah, I think yesterday he probably became one of the front runners for who could be lining up a quarterback for the Saints next season. Um, yeah, the, the history obviously with uh, with him and I mean Dennis Allen drafted him with the Raiders, um, and you know I think um, he's played some pretty good football when he's been in some he's, when he's been in some good offenses, right? When he's not just surrounded by um, you know, some replacement level receivers and running backs. Um, it hasn't been the case this year, obviously. Um, you know, and the Raiders have struggled, and he's kind of struggled. But um, you know, I, I think you could do a whole lot worse than Derek Carr, especially when you're probably not going to have to give up a first rounder to go get him. You know, um, you could probably you could probably get him for a second rounder, um, and maybe less. You know, it, it kind of depends on on what happens with with uh, taking on a salary and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I would probably put him ahead of Minshew. Uh, Minshew, you could probably have for for less, um, and the the financial commitment is less. Uh, but um, I, I still think you know, Derek Carr is a bit more proven. Yeah, you know, Minshew's got I don't know maybe twenty starts, twenty five starts under his belt as a quarterback. Um, but oh, I don't want him. But there's also would be bad options though. I'll say that. But I. I, I... I'm not a big Minshew guy, but there there has been a history of the Eagles and the Saints communicating. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing, right? I, I mean, they made two trades this year. Uh, they've made you know several since uh, Roseman and, and Loomis have been in their respective positions. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think those two teams are always going to have their their you know phone lines connected to each other. Um, but you know, I still think I, I think I would rather roll the dice on a more proven commodity, especially if, if you're picking up a quarterback who doesn't really who doesn't really fit kind of the modern or modern prototype of an NFL quarterback, right? Like somebody who's gonna really be mobile and, and move around a lot, maybe you know, pick up some first downs with his legs. I think that's probably where you'd want to go if you're getting a young quarterback. Um, but you know, Carr's been doing it for almost a decade now. Um, and I think that you know, he's, he's a little bit more established, more proven. You know what you're going to get with him a little bit more than Minshew. Um, Plus, what we know about Derek Carr, don't you think he'd really fit in well into the Saints team? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do, especially, look, I, I think they're going to have some really good weapons next year. Yeah, I think they have some good weapons right now, right? Um, I, obviously, like, a lot of this is dependent on Michael Thomas and who the hell knows what's going to happen with him. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think he's going to be here in New Orleans next year. It's it's really, really hard for me to envision a scenario where they just move on from him. Um, but, you know, you've got, you've got some really, really nice pieces on that offense. Rashid Shahid, I, I think, is just, uh, you know, potentially blossoming into a star right before us. Chris Olave's obviously shown he can be you know, a little bit of development. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. Um, Juwan Johnson, I think, needs to be a bigger part of the offense moving forward. You know, a bigger part of the passing game. Um, you know, somebody who commands six, seven, eight targets a game on average, as opposed to like the four he's getting right now. Um, and then, you know, Alvin Kamara, you add a running back to that mix. I mean, I, I think he got some really, really good bones on that offense. You know, not to mention, you got three starting offensive linemen locked up. Uh, you're expecting Trevor Penning to be another one, so that's four. Um, you know, Andres Pete, I think, is still under contract for another couple of years. I, I, you know, you've got you've got the, the bones for a very, very good offense there. 
if you drop a competent quarterback in, and this is what we were talking about at the beginning of the season, right? Just get competent quarterback play. I think that's it's a pretty good offense. They got if they play. I mean, you know, they obviously, and then Pete is once again injured again. Yeah, well, that's another thing. But <laughs> you know, I, you go back and look at it. I mean, prior to this injury this year. You know, Cesar Ruiz had played 100% of the snaps each of the last two years. Um, you know, Ryan Ramchek has been you know, a, a, a rock out of right tackle. Last year is like the first time in his career he missed time with injury. Um, Eric McCoy's had some, some stuff that, that was bugging him for the last you know, two years, but I think he, you know two years before that he didn't miss a snap. Yeah, you know, they've got they've got good players on that offensive line, and obviously injuries are going to happen. You never know what it's going to be. You got to be able to adjust, but. Um, I, I still think that, yeah, it, it, they're not far off offensively. And what chance do you give that Tom Brady is the next quarterback of the Raiders? Of the Raiders, I, I would give that a higher chance than, than New Orleans. Um, yeah, I, I know that you know there have been people kind of speculating about you know, maybe Sean Payton coming back and him bringing Tom Brady with him, and you know, as fun as that would be, um, yeah, I would say it's. it's Probably a lot more likely that uh, Brady goes out there and reconnects with his old OC, and you know he's in a town like Vegas, which I imagine would be fun for him, and all, all that sort of stuff. You know, it, that that makes a lot more sense to me, especially now that they've already signaled that they're moving on from Derek Carr, um, than you know seeing Tom Brady in black and gold next year. All right, so right now I know it's just silly talk air stage. That's what we're at. But Casper, where does he end up next year? What's your best guess? Oh man, I I, I don't know. I, like I, as of as of, as as things stand currently right now, like I would I would say Arizona, but but that's not a good situation either, right? right. The ownership is kind of a mess. Yes. Um. You know who knows who their GM is going to be. Um. And their quarterback yeah, their, their, their is quarter, strange. Their quarterback's not going to be playing until December of next year at best. Um. So, I mean, you know, I just think of all the options currently open right now, none of them are super appealing. Uh, so I think that's going to be one where you kind of kind of wait and see. I don't even know if, like, Denver would be appealing to him, right? I think they got right. some good young pieces there. Uh, but, I mean, Russell Wilson was a disaster this year. And if, yes. How about you the Colts? If, you know, if you're not confident you can fix him, like, what are you going to do? You know, you're saddled with him for a couple of years. How about the Colts? See, I think the Colts would be a really interesting option. The only problem with the Colts is that I, yeah, I don't think that really sounds like a like a Sean Play, Sean Payton type of place, you know. Like I, I like when I'm imagining where Sean Payton's coaching, it's like it's like you know, somewhere glamorous, right? Like L.A. or somebody somewhere like that, or it's somewhere with a lot of really good golf courses because that's you know he's obsessed with golf. So um, yeah, it just doesn't seem to fit. Um, you know, from a just from from like a vibe. it's not Miami or L.A. Yeah, San Diego before they moved but, to L.A. Yeah, it's not that. But so. it's also it's also not far from where he grew up too. You know, so maybe that maybe that plays a factor. And it'd be like you know, whatever it is, two hours from Chicago or whatever. Um, you know, that's it's not far from where he grew up. So maybe that that would play into it. I, I think Indianapolis would be a really good spot for a next coach, even though their owner is kind of a crazy person. Um, you know, it, look, you got a pretty solid roster there, and you're, you're probably quarterback away from being a contender. Um, 
Right. And they'll probably, I think, I still, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think they, they still own their first round pick and that should be a pretty good first round pick. So uh, that wouldn't be a bad spot at all. Um, but it's just, it doesn't seem to fit the vibe. That's all. I agree. All right. So you were right last week about 41 being the lead runner in, in frigid temperatures. And I hope you're right in your optimism that the Saints have a much better chance. And if you are, then, um, I don't know. You, we'll have to find a purple jelly bean or something for you for next week because that, that will be impressive because you've been saying for me to hold out hope all year on that. Yeah, hold out some hope. Not a lot of hope, but hold out a little hope. Don't, don't count it in the bank as a loss already. <laughs> all right, sir. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and Happy New Year. My pleasure, man. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next okay. week. Luke Johnson. Man, look. Um, you know, everything he said made sense. And I, I just hope he's right about Pete Werner playing, and that's day one playing. That that would be that would be critical, critical, critical. We'll be back, finish out today's show on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. That was, um, you know, obviously we talked about Derek Carr in the in the first hour, and I didn't. You know, I certainly would think that would be an option for the Saints. But Luke seemed to think that it was, it's more than just a, an option to discuss. Like, Luke seemed to have a pretty good a pretty good notion that he thinks it's more than just – it could be more than just, you know, a good guess. That it, it, it could have a little more to it than that. More than – it's an option to him that actually makes a lot of sense and that he could see happening. Um Obviously, that was a long time ago when they drafted him when Dennis Allen was the head coach, and that was didn't go very well. But because it didn't go very well doesn't necessarily mean that he and Dennis Allen didn't get along. Uh, doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in him still as a you know a leader and all. So certainly something to consider. Again, I was. Um, I'm not a Gardner Minshew guy, although Gardner Minshew's had some nice moments. I mean, he played pretty well, made some big plays in that big game at Dallas. And so he's not in, you know, he looked totally inept when the Saints crushed his face in Jacksonville that one day when stupid Casper played 41 as a dump truck when they were running out the clock and got him injured, what, a year or two before he did the same thing to 13, having him block. Unbelievable. All right, that's enough for today. Y'all have a nice day.